It's live. Okay. So. Hello. Oh, thank you. Hello. So as we, um, in the last few days of Forium Kipper, I just want to go over, before we talk about uh, preparation, the spiritual preparation for, for Yom Kippur and Rabbi Simchana, um, I wanted to share a couple of halachas. We originally started this class. This class was meant to be part hashkafa, part philosophy, part practical. We haven't had this class in a while, so uh, let's do a couple of halachas. I'll start with a blessing for our host, Tugzunt, Ofreilich, and Gliklich. No roller coasters this year. It's gesund and freilich the whole year. So it's customary before Yom Kippur to try to increase the mitzvahs that we're doing. So, for example, um, buying the Lulav and Esrik, it's preferable to buy it before Yom Kippur, unless you know you can get a better, better one later, um, in order to add another mitzvah. It's also, although our custom is to... Um, prepare the sukkah after Yom Kippur, but if you're like in my family, where it starts after Yom Kippur, then it won't get done until like by shkia, by sukkah, so it's, it's, it's good to add another merit as well, prepare the sukkah, but uh, most importantly, Yom Kippur is a day of teshuva, day of forgiveness, and before Yom Kippur, it's, it's customary, halachically, it's we're obligated to uh, make a stock taking where we are spiritually and to to up our game. Especially mitzvahs between man and man. Mitzvahs between man and man aren't forgiven by Yom Kippur. And therefore during these 10 days, we're supposed to seek forgiveness from those people we've wronged throughout the year. Um, guarding kaparas. Uh, kaparas, the halacha is that it's sufficient really to have one chicken for a lot of people. However, uh, the custom is to have one chicken for every member of the family. And someone who's pregnant has uh, three chickens, one for themselves, if it's a female, they take a hen. And they take a hen just in case the baby is a female. And they take a, a rooster in case the baby is a male. So, so someone who's pregnant takes three chickens. What if it's in the, within the first 40 days? Of, then it's not considered halakhically a uh, pregnancy. And therefore, you don't have to worry in the first 40 days of, of taking extra chicken. Just take one chicken uh, for yourself. Follow so far? Yeah? Okay. I don't like, think easier outside. No, just do this all the time outside. Anyway, so um, on the day of Yom Kippur, in the morning of Yom Kippur, it, there are a couple of things that it's customary to eat and something that's customary not to eat. In the morning of Yom Kippur, we're supposed to eat uh, lighter foods. We eat fish, we eat chicken. We don't eat uh, meat, we don't eat sesame, we don't eat garlic. It's okay to have um, a little bit of milk, but not too much. And the, the next meal, right before Yom Kippur, we don't eat fish, we don't eat meat. However, it is a custom to have a little bit of meat, kreplach. No kreplach is, right? This dough covering meat. Some people make, even though I just said, you know, it's not supposed to eat heavy meat, but it could be the reason why it's okay. Or Ibron was saying the reason why it could be why it's okay is because only a little bit of meat or because you're supposed to use chicken to make kreplach. But either way, uh, during the second meat, meal or frame kipper, you don't eat uh, heavy meat, just uh, chicken. Yeah. Right. 
Um, on the night of Yom Kippur, uh, women make a bracha by when, when they when they light their candles. They make the bracha shachiano. Since make bracha shachiano when, when you light candles, when you come to shul, everyone says shachiano. All the men say shachiano in shul. So the Rebbe said to publicize that you don't say shachiano again. Since said shachiano when you light the candles, you don't have to say shachiano again when you come to shul. You already said shachiano when you lit the candles. So. Um, uh, it, it's a shachiyonu, thanking Hashem for this for this occasion. Throughout the prayers of Yom Kippur, we mention with God's it's because of God's love He gave us this day of Yom Kippur. And even though it may seem like it's not so a love, love, loving day because you have to fast and it seems like a very painful day sometimes, but the truth is that this the whole idea of Yom Kippur, uh, the word for pain in Hebrew, pain comes from the same word as answer. So the purpose of this whole all the pain of Yom Kippur is to achieve the good answer for a good sweet year. And with Hashem's love for us, He gave us a state where we're supposed to be similar to angels so that we could um, uh, achieve this um, complete atonement and forgiveness. And before Yom Kippur, it's customary to light three candles. One candle is lit in the in the room of a husband and wife because they're not supposed to be together. In fact, now I don't like to be together on, on a... Uh, on the night and day of Yom Kippur, but all the laws of distances between a husband and wife during the time of Nida also apply in the night of Dave and Kippur, regardless of whether or not it is a time of Nida. Um, so in order to uh, caution about that, it's customary to have either a candle or a, or a bulb on in a bedroom. Second candle is supposed to be lit. Uh, every family has to have one candle. It's called a live candle, a candle of life. And uh, that candle you bring to the shul. One member of the family brings it to the shul. And you light the candle. And it's customary not to know where you, where you put that candle. Because the candle goes out throughout Yom Kippur. It's like considered not, not such a positive omen. And so therefore you specifically um, light that candle. And you put it around a bunch of other candles. So you won't know if your candle went out or didn't go out. Every one year my candle went out. And you're supposed to light, supposed to burn the candle after the kipper is over. I didn't want to bring it home. I don't want my wife to worry about it. I might not survive the year. So I asked him to the friend of mine where he could, could um, uh, light the candle in his house. Baruch Hashem, he, uh, he agreed. But the, the, that's the second candle, a candle of light. And the third candle, imagine someone comes to your house, knocking the door after the kipper is over. You please burn my candle. Okay, anyways. So, sure. You light it, you put in the show, a candle of light. Yeah. But one candle per family, candle of life, before before the kipper starts. Uh, then uh, someone lights on your behalf. Your husband brings one candle to show up your bed. He lights in your house. Okay. Yeah. If or or um, some member of the family bites for the whole family, either way, either way. In other words, if no one's lighting for the whole family, right? No, no light, wait for yourself. And there's a third candle. Someone lost the parents. So also light a near neshama candle for the soul. All other um, customs that I know about do this as well for every holiday where we do Yisker. But Chabad customs only on Yom Kippur, we light a candle for those who have passed away uh, before Yom Kippur, a, a neshama candle. With me? Yeah? First candle is 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 is, is it doesn't tell you have to be a candle. It could also be a bulb, just to to as a precaution to remember the halacha of Yom Kippur. Second candle is um, an, a, a live a candle of life, and a third candle, a candle of neshama. Maybe like so 
Oh well, yeah, you still do bracha. Yeah, of course. Light, 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 yontif candles, hundred percent. Yeah, I, 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 I um, I'm sorry. It's the fourth candle, the most important candle, the mitzvah. All the other ones are are uh, not a in the, as important as that one. That's a mitzvah to light. Mitzvah the the yontif candles. Um, but it shouldn't. Some people light the candle in shul. I don't think it's a good idea. Light the candle in shul. You should light the candle where you are sleeping. But some people come to shul early and light the candle in shul. Better light the candle at home. Stay a few minutes by the candle and then come to shul. So at least if you if you plan to come back home after Kippur is, after the davening is over and, Kippur, and your candle will be out, you won't have any benefit at all from the candle. So there could be a question of whether that candle has served any purpose. But uh, either use a, a candle which will last till, till you come home, or stay for a few minutes by the candle so, you, so the candle serves some purpose. You're gonna if you're gonna hours, but don't light the candle in shul because um, won't light the candle uh, where where you sleep as it's just a shabbos like the candle where you sleep. Okay. Um, I want to point out something else. The, the, uh, everyone thinks, uh, okay, I shouldn't, that's a little facetious to say what everyone thinks. I know what everyone thinks, but I always thought that it's only biblically forbidden to eat an ounce on Yom Kippur. And that's why if someone's very sick and they don't know if their life is in danger, they ought to have a shot glass of food and drink every nine minutes. Because that's only biblically, I thought that was biblically okay. It's not true. It's biblically forbidden to have any food at all in Yom Kippur. But if someone's life is in danger, we don't want them to get the punishment of kares, so the soul getting cut off. And therefore, if they eat in, in, in increments of nine minutes, so then it's, it's uh, they, although it's biblically forbidden to eat even less than, um, even not, eating less than an ounce, but, if you, but still, in order not to run the risk of entering the zone of those who are liable for kares, therefore we, uh, if, if, if you, even if you feel that your life is in danger, you have to eat, so then you try to eat within nine minutes. Of course, if your life is really in danger, then you don't have to worry about nine minutes. You have to worry about something else. You have to worry about staying alive, which is a much more important mitzvah. Uh, it's always better to err on the side of caution than to, um, than to err on the side of danger. So halachically, it's far more important to preserve your life than it is to, uh, to fast in Yom Kippur. They say about uh, Reb Chaim Brisker, Reb Chaim Brisker was very lenient about Yom Kippur during some kind of epidemic. And they asked him, how come you're so lenient about Yom Kippur? He said, I'm not lenient about Yom Kippur. I'm very strict about guarding your health. So it's a very, it's, it's a far more important concern. And uh, you don't have to worry that you may be, you know, be overly lenient on Yom Kippur. You have to worry about being overly strict about guarding your life. That's a more, more, more important concern. That's a Torah considers that more, more important concern. So if there's any question of dangerous life, so then you should eat, but try to eat within, with the, um, with the shot glasses. Um, Every the Tzemach Tzedek writes a few different amounts of time of differences of opinion, either every nine minutes or every uh, six minutes or every four minutes, uh, depending on um, how much you need to eat. But if we do have, if you do feel that, that you need to eat, and it, I just want to point out, it's it, you're not allowed to eat if you don't feel good. You're only allowed to eat if your life is in danger. But if your life you feel that you need to eat, so then you don't have to only eat and not drink. Eating and drinking are go together. You eat and drink a shot glass every nine minutes. Does that make sense? Or if it's really bad, then every six minutes or every four minutes. You, you understand or no? Okay. Um, okay, that's, that's the, uh, those are halachas I want to go over. Any, any questions about any, any halachas on Yom Kippur? If you're not doing comparisons with the chicken, you could do comparisons with money, yeah. 
I never, I've, I've never done kafaras with monies. I don't know. Actually, in, in when I was in elementary school, they, they waved a quarter over us just in case. I think, but I don't remember. Um, uh, <clears throat> there, there is tonight's the arts of Rabbi Khanna and there's an amazing story that isn't so well known. Rabbi Avsin uh, from Karnais, he uh, met the the protagonist. Is that the right word in English? The one story happened to is called the protagonist. Okay, so he said a story about this woman named Malka. Malka, it's an incredible story. It's a very long story. Just one fat, one tiny part of the story, which is not so tiny, uh, about about this Malka. She was uh, adopted, and because she was adopted, she uh, was suspected of not being allowed to marry a Kohen. As very often the case, when someone's adopted, they're not allowed to marry a Kohen. The truth was that she, her, her biological parents were Jewish, and as Rebbe told her, that they were, but because there was no halachic proof that her parents were Jewish, she was not allowed to marry a Kohen. And because of that, she was engaged to the Kohen, but she had to break off her engagement. And she was totally broken. And she came, the Rebbe told her that she should visit the Rebbe once a year, to talk to the Rebbe about whatever issues are going on. And she told the Rebbe about this particular issue, like, like this, that year, when she, when she had to break off her, her engagement, Rebbe told her to speak to his mother, Rebbe Tzimchan. So she went to speak to Rebbe Tzimchan. And Rebbe Tzimchan sat her down in Rebbe Tzimchan's home on 1440 President Street in Crown Heights. And uh, Rebbe Tzimchan said to her, tell me a story of the Baal Shem. So she told Rebbe Tzimchan the following story of the Baal Shem. The, sto- the story of the storyteller. You may have heard the story. It's a famous story. The story is that there was once a uh, man who, after the Baal Shem's passing, who uh, was very he was very close to Baal Shem Tev. He was very knowledgeable all the stories of Baal Shem. And when he um, uh, he heard about this wealthy man who would pay for stories of Baal Shem Tev. Anyone who told him stories of Baal Shem Tev would give him a gold coin. So he heard, and he knew lots of stories of Baal Shem Tev. So he figured, like, this is a great opportunity. He should go to this guy's house and share with him hundreds of stories of Baal Shem Tev, make hundreds of gold coins. What a great idea. But he came to the guy's house for Shabbos, and Friday night comes, he can't remember any story of the Baal Shem Tev. Shabbos morning, can't remember any story of the Baal Shem Tev. And he's about to leave the house after Shabbos. He's very embarrassed. He, he, he comes, he had come as the guy who knows all the stories of the Baal Shem Tev. He doesn't know any story of the Baal Shem Tev. So finally, he, um, he's about to leave, and the guy says, please, maybe remember one story. And he says, okay, I just remember one story. Story is that it was one year before Pesach. It was it was during the time when the uh, non-Jews were celebrating their uh, their holiday, which falls around the same time as Pesach, Havdil. And there was a uh, a mob ready to uh, to do a pogrom, right? Attack the Jewish ghetto. And there was a priest that was a rabble rouser. He was you know getting inciting the mob. Everyone, let's go to get to get them Jews. And the Baal Shem Tev told me. We traveled together with Hashem. We came to this town where this, this whole thing is about to unfold. This mob is about to wreak havoc on the Jewish quarter. And Baal Shem Tev told me I should go speak to the priest and tell the priest that Baal Shem Tev wants to speak to him. So I was afraid, but long story short, I went over to him and I said to him, Baal Shem Tev wants to speak. And he said, soon. I went back to Baal Shem Tev. Hashem said, no, he told me it's now. He has to come right now. So the priest came with this guy back to Baal Shem. Do you hear the story before? Hear the story before? I don't story tell you know. He comes back to Baal Shem and 
Darshan is alone with his friend for a couple of minutes. And after they're alone for a couple of minutes, then the guy leaves. And he told this story to this man. He said, I never saw the guy again. So the guy, this wealthy man, said, I'm that guy. I was the person. And the Baal Shem told me that I will be, I'll know I'm forgiven for what has happened to me when someone tells me my own story. And that's why I would always give all this money to people to tell me stories about Shem I was hoping that finally I'd hear my story. When you came, he said, I recognized you. And I knew who you were. And I was hoping maybe you recognize me. Maybe you'll tell me my story. And my truth was finally accepted. And now that you've told me my story, I know my truth is finally accepted. So the story was the story that, 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 that this woman Malka shared uh, about herself. She wrote, she, she, it's, it's a story that happened so many years ago, but she said something to the effect of that Rebbe Zanchana told her, your story also, eventually you'll meet someone who will share your story, and then you'll, will give you clarity, it'll help you. And sure enough, uh, this Rabbi Atzin met her and shared her story, and, uh, and uh, hopefully it, it's given her a lot of clarity. She has a very hard life. It's an incredible story. If you want, after the class, I'll send you a link to the entire story. It's an amazing story. Anyways, but the idea of, of hearing your story from someone else, hearing your own life story in some, someone else's mouth, is a very relevant concept to Yom Kippur. When you ask anybody in the street, what is Yom Kippur? What do they say? What's Yom Kippur? So either they'll tell you Yom Kippur is a day. Go ahead. What's Yom Kippur? Judgment. Okay. Judgment. Okay. Judgment. okay. So what's Yom Kippur? Day of Atonement. Day of Forgiveness. Wow. That's a great expression. Where does that come from? Okay. I like that. I didn't know that. That's great. Full of mercy. Only mercy. Great. So Yom Kippur, the average person knows Yom Kippur Day, we get sealed. We get sealed. Uh, what's going to happen to us this year? And Yom Kippur is a day of atonement. forgives us. So the question is, how do we get sealed for good? How do we get Hashem to judge us favorably? How do we get in the good book? How do we get to make sure? Really? I, th- I think I think I'll be able to manage if I get this on one more time. Let me see. Um, whatever you say. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hold on. Difficulties. Wait a second. Hold on. That's my life is anticlimax. What do we do next? This is great. Wow. This this is a this is amazing. Wow. This is fantastic. This is amazing. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Okay. So um yeah, so talking about hearing your story from someone else's voice and the relationship to Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur is called the day when Hashem 
finally seals on that judgment he gives us. And there's something that we could do to make sure that we get judged for good. What can we do to make sure we get judged for good? So there's a Pasuk which talks about judgment. Pasuk says, you shall judge your people b'tzedek. What does it mean b'tzedek? So it means a couple of things. One thing it means is that if there are two people who come before you, you're a judge. And one of them is dressed in very fancy clothing. One's dressed in not such fancy clothing. So you want to make sure this is, everyone's, everything is fair. You don't want one person to feel like intimidated because they're not dressed so in such great clothing. So you tell the rich person, either you get to buy them the same suit or you get dressed the same way the poor guy is dressed. If one of them is, is, um, uh, is taking a long time to give their argument, you can't tell one guy, you speak fast and you speak, I get you, 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 you stop. Another guy, you tell, talk to me as long as you want. You have to be fair, you have to be even. If both people come before you, you can't, um, you, can't, you can't, need to leave them both feel encouraged to share what they want to say. That's the meaning of said to be objective complete, to be totally objective and, and, and judge the case favorably. Now we're always judging. We're always judging people around us, our family, our friends. We always have you know, that, 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 that lens of, of judgment. And the Torah has another meaning to that same phrase. Rashi says, Talmud says, what does it mean to judge your people with tzedek? It means judge people favorably. Judge people favorably. Now, which one is it? Either you're judging people accurately, objectively, truthfully, or you're judging them favorably. Which one is it? How can they both, how can they both be true? Either it's favorable, if it's nice and kind, and, and you're, you're, you're not trying to be accurate, or you're trying to be accurate. So which one is it? So the answer is, is that you're judging the action accurately, objectively, truthfully, honestly, carefully, but you're judging the person positively. You're not judging, you may know what happened, but you don't know why it happened. You don't know why this person did, did what they did. In the Olympics, everybody starts in the same, same uh, starting line and they run and, and they start at the same, exactly the same time. And you know who runs the fastest, you know who the winner is. In life, not everybody starts at the same place. Some people grew, grow up with the fantastic uh, parents and examples and the role models in their life and they know where they have to get them. Some people don't have, haven't had that great good fortune. And not everybody has to get the same place. It's not like in the Olympics where everyone starts at the same place and everyone finishes in the same place. In life, everyone starts at different places and everyone has to reach a different place. Some people are born you know, with a different kind of nature and they, they're expected, Hashem expects them to reach a higher level from where they were. But not everyone starts at the same place. Everyone starts at different places and everyone has to get to different places. But Sektish Pudamisecha means that you may not know why someone does what they do and judge them favorably. Assume that there's something more to the story. I just saw this great um, meme someone sent me. You may have heard it. Uh, this 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 uh, boy uh, is at home and his mother asks him for an apple. There's two apples, and the boy takes the apple, doesn't give it to his mother. He takes the apple and he bites the apple. The mother's like, "What is that?" And he takes the other apple, and he bites the other apple. And the mother's like, "Really? What is this kid doing? Like, could he get at least give you one one whole apple?" And he says, "Mom, take this one. This one's sweeter." Here, there was there was a guy in a bus. And this lady's sitting down, or his lady's standing up, old lady, she's standing up and she has a bunch of bags. And this guy's sitting down there 
and and she's standing right in front of him and everyone's like looking at this guy this poor old lady she has no place to sit this guy has all these bags around and she, she has all these bags around this why can't i gotta stand up let her sit down and, and people like murmuring you know this 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 this, this uh, uh so cruel I and mean, she's an old lady she has all these bags why can't he stand up and it's a it's an israeli bus and israeli buses have a minute like a, i guess uh american buses do a little bit sometimes too that the bus suddenly stops and everyone goes forward and then all the all the all the bags of apples and oranges, whatever she has in her grocery, uh, is is all over the floor, and everyone runs to pick it up. Everyone runs except for same guy. So someone finally faces the guy, and he says to him, "What is the matter with you? Why don't you why don't you pay attention to what's going around around you?" The guy takes off his glasses, and he says, "Look at me in the eyes." He says, "The guy was blind; he couldn't see anything." So the way we um, see people it's often blind we don't really know the whole story we don't know what's going on in people's lives so the Torah says to judge people favorably and that causes Hashem to judge us favorably as well we want Hashem to judge us favorably it starts by judging others favorably but that's that's just on the surface it's a lot deeper than that and uh, okay so what what's what's the deeper meaning of this let me let me tell you it's, 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 it's very very um, fundamental to our whole approach to Kippur and Kippur is about what this really means. It's not just judge someone favorably so God will judge us favorably. It's it's far more. Let me, let me tell you what it, what it really means. The Talmud says you have some people come to your house and some people are good guests, some people are bad guests. What's the difference between a good guest and a bad guest? A good guest says, the host, the host did all these wonderful things just for me. That's a good guest. What does a bad guest say? The host did all these wonderful things for themselves. They did it just for themselves. They wanted to feel good. They wanted to show off. So that's what Talmud calls them, the good guest or the bad guest. Now let me ask you a question. Who do the hosts do it for? Some hosts do it for themselves. Some hosts do it for others. So why is the Talmud call them the good guest and the bad and the bad guest? Say one guest is the. Uh, it depends who the host is. It's not a good guest or a bad guest. And the answer is, it is a good guest or the bad guest. It's what do you see in the other person? What you see in the other person has a lot to do with who you are inside. Our lens of how we see others has a lot to do with who we are. If I see good in another person. That means I'm looking not with my ego, not with my animalistic part of myself. I'm looking with my neshama. One more story about Rabbi Tzinchana. This is my favorite story. Um, unbelievable story. It's very deep. Um, Rabbi Tzinchana, one Shabbos, she's walking on Kingston Avenue, and she looks like she, she needs something. So someone walks over to her and says, Rabbi uh, Sternberg, she walks over to Rabbi Tzinchana and says, Rabbi Tzinchana, do you need anything? She just says, I need something very badly. What do you need? She says, this Shabbos is a ufruf, is a pre-wedding party of the Raskins and the Lipskers. Raskin, one of the Raskins was getting married to one of the Lipskers, and she was close to both of them. But she can't go into the ufruf, she can't go into the, because it's a, it's a men's kiddush, it's not, women aren't, I mean, aren't part of the kiddush. And she wants to be part of the, of the celebration, but she can't. So she said, can you please bring me to the stores? Mr. Raskin owned a fruit store and a, one Raskin owned a fruit store, one Raskin owned a fish store. A Lipsker owned a Kingston 
Stockton and Union used to own a grocery store. So Rabbi Zanachana said, please bring me to the stores. Now it's Shabbos. The stores are closed. No one in the stores. So she said, bring me to the stores. And he brought Rabbi Zanachana over to the store. She brought Rabbi Zanachana over to the store. And she silently, privately spent a few minutes in, in, in moments in, in prayer, blessing the Chassan Kala. Just by herself, just talking and asking Hashem to bless the Chassan Kala. It's, it's very, you know, it's, it's a blessing. And wishing the person well isn't just like a pleasantry. It's something that you really feel. You really give someone a bracha because you really want them to have good. So the preparation for Yom Kippur is really not just we want Hashem to judge us favorably, so we should judge others favorably, but my ability to, to look at the people in my life and write a list of all those that you know in your life and to suddenly just decide to like let go of, of all the ways you looked at them before and look at them inside of them. Everyone has different parts of themselves, their, their mind, their hearts, the things they're used to, their nature, nurture, whatever it is. But my ability to go beyond all that looks in the, that seems in the outside, who they are, and to reach within myself, to see the goodness that's inside them, that tells a lot about who I am. So that's why before Yom Kippur, the Torah tells us that to judge others favorably, not just for in that merit, Hashem will judge us favorably. It's not just that, you know, if someone likes your kids, then you, 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 you like them too. It's a lot deeper than that. It's a, my ability to look at the other person, those lens, is, is, tell you a story that highlights this. There was a contractor who worked for this uh, very, very wealthy real estate developer. And he built a lot of homes for him over the years. And he, he's getting older, he wants to quit. And the real estate developer says, listen, I have one more project. You have to do one more project for me. I'll let you quit. I'll let you retire, but just do one more project. So the guy's like, listen, you, 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 you supported my family all these years. I'll do one more house for you. Okay. But this house, you just want to get it over with. It's the last house. He's just... So he built the house, but the house wasn't exactly up to, up to snuff. And he finishes the house and the real estate developer says to him, he gives the guy the keys. He says, I just finished the house. The real estate developer takes the keys and gives them back to him and says, this is, this is a present for you. And you've helped me so many, all these years by building so many houses. This is your house. So the house that we live in, the house at our house, is the house that we look at others. That's, that's what the Balshantav means when he says, when you look at someone else, it's a mirror of yourself. It's not just a mirror of yourself because it's a nice way of looking at things and it, it, it's the truth. The way we see others has a lot to do with who we are. Are we the good guest who sees the good in others? Or are we the bad guest who notices the, the negativity? It's, 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 within our, it's within ourselves. That makes sense. Follow. Any any questions so far? Beautiful. Excellent. The inner work is, is that's one more thought. I like how you said, very, 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 very well said. Exactly. To see the good in ourselves, to see the good in others, but to know who we are. Let's look with our Neshama's eyes, like Rabbi Tzunchana did. Look, she looked at, at <laughs> imagine, she's not even at the party. She's just on Kingston Avenue. She's by the, she's by the, the closed fish store. And she's thinking, I, I wish them well. You know, it's a different kind of look. 
I heard the Rebbe Zinchana uh, on Yom Kippur, she w- didn't want to walk back with her shoes and she went to keep her shoes somewhere in 770. And it's interesting, when the Rebbe got, the Rebbe, the Rebbe was very careful always, we know, to, to use the most kindest and most positive word for everything. So when someone brought the Rebbe some Mulavim or Sregim, the Rebbe didn't say put it on the floor, the Rebbe said put it on the wood. On, on the trees, the Aitzim, Aitzim Hebrew for the trees, put on the trees, which means put on the floor. But when his mother needed to have her shoes uh, kept somewhere in 770, before Yom Kippur was over, they said, put it on my desk. They never put it on, on his own desk. It's, it's the Luluvan Esraigman, but when his mother, different, 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 uh, different kind of person, different kind of respect. Okay, this is why I want to talk one more thing, I'll let you guys go. There's Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, on the Yom Kippur, what happened in Yom Kippur? In Kippur, Hashem forgave us for the sin of the golden calf and gave us a, the, 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 the tablets. When before God forgave us, he told Moshe Rabbeinu, I will put you on the cleft of the rock. Something about Moshe Rabbeinu being on that rock that has to do with what Yom Kippur is about. What does that mean? There is the fire of the neshama. Fire of the neshama is how we express our bond with Hashem through learning Torah, through doing mitzvahs, through davening. That's a fire of the neshama. The, the, the neshama needs to have fuel. The fuel of the neshama is the tayr, the mitzvahs. Then besides the fuel, the neshama also has to be protected from things that could erase and put out the light of the neshama. To worry about avedas. Make sure don't, don't do avedas to put out the inner, inner fire we have on our neshama. But then there's a flintstone. A flintstone has a potential for fire deep within it that cannot be extinguished. It's not in the realm of being extinguished because it's not tangible enough for it to for, for, for it to be in the to be for it to be put out. It's just there and water can't put it out and, and it, it can't it doesn't need any fuel. That is the essence of the neshama that an analogy in our life, that's like a, a relationship of a, of, of a mother and a child, a father and a child, just they're of one essence. There is relationship we have with Hashem the whole year, which is based upon our mitzvahs and our Torah and 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 commensurate to that. But on Yom Kippur, the Abisha says to us, You're my child, and whatever you've done to me can't detract one iota of my love to you. And we say to Hashem the same thing, whatever has happened can't can't take away any one iota of our love to him. And therefore, the Abisha forgives us, it doesn't forgive us because our sins aren't are are, are it's because on Yom Kippur it's revealed how we are Hashem's children. Therefore, there was no problem in the first place. It's like the Flintstone, where there was not that the, the fire was put out, now it has to be rekindled. The fire was never put out. The, that Nikras that, that at that level, there was no problem in the first place. So for me to look at someone else and to, and to, and to say this person deserves a bracha, this person deserves a blessing, and to see good in another person, what am I doing? I'm going deep within the cleft of my own rock. I'm going deep within the Flintstone of myself. And, 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 Connecting with who I am really inside my neshama. That's why I'm able to see good in, good in the other person. If I can't see good in you, that means I'm, I, I, I'm, I haven't connected with my neshama. In order for me to see good in someone else, only it's because to look past. Okay, one last story, and I'll let you guys go. The, the Talmud says, after being a Yonah writes about this person, this rabbi who walked together with his students, they passed by this carcass, a very smelly carcass. And the students are like, Ich feh. And the rabbi who was leading them said, look at how nice the dog's teeth are. 
so that the students understood if we have to speak positively about this, about the carcass of the dog, how much more so to speak positively about people, but not just because we want to be nice and kind and, and, and find the good in other people. It's about ourselves, about who we are. I might, the, the preparation to make for Yom Kippur is, is look within my, in myself and, and ask myself, can I look past the outside of the person? Can I look past the outside of myself and, and, and see Neshama, look from Neshama to Neshama? This holy tzaddik, this Belish Rebbe, he um, he was once questioned by one of his one of his detractors. He says, "People say you're such a holy tzaddik. I don't see it." So the tzaddik responded, "If you touch with body, you feel body." For Yom Kippur, the idea of forgiving other people, the idea of asking for forgiveness, the idea of seeing good in other people, is a introspective, deep thing of getting closer to our neshama. And that's the and that's why Hashem forgives. That's why that's why the best way to get Hashem to, to judge us favorably is by saying good things. People deserve brachas. People deserve good things, and that way Hashem uh, says the same thing for each of us. And Paskins, the Psakdin, that we, each of us should have a good sweet year, and all the Jewish people should have the coming of Mashiach Karav Mamish. Any questions, comments, criticism, tomatoes? Yes. So there is there, there is a, there is a bit of a hierarchy of different things that you prefer to say, um, but it's 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 more intricate because you could say you have ten minutes, you could say you have twenty minutes, you could say if you have an hour, you could say if you have two hours. So I'm not sure exactly what you're. I will say one thing that that um, okay how about this okay how about this how about um, one thing which I, I want to mention before which I didn't we one of the major parts of Kippur is to confess before Hashem and although it's written in the city to it many times throughout Yom Kippur it's not in, in the older Sidurim in newer ones it hasn't the older Sidurim doesn't say the first one as soon as it's sundown it's supposed to say vidui. as soon as the sundown comes after lighting candles that's the first time to vidui. as soon as the day enters it's supposed to vidui. so there are um five prayers in yom kippur and uh the main part of every davening is the shmon esrei right so shmon esrei is um uh saying shema shmon esrei are the are key parts of, of yom kippur but honestly um the night of Yom Kippur, the prayers, the night of Yom Kippur, are so beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, and the kids are maybe, hopefully, they've gone to sleep by then. But uh, you, you just read in English the words "night of Yom Kippur." It, uh, it, it just without, without thinking too deeply, it, it, it uh, you get in touch with your neshama. It's a very special thing. So you know, I, 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 I guess in the night of Yom Kippur, I, I would encourage you to try to do more of the more of the prayers than you can during the daytime because you're busy with the kids. But in the daytime. You know, try to do Shmona Esrei, Shema, Vino Malkeinu, Vidoi. How does that sound? So in that order? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, time is unpredictable. Time is unpredictable. Like, so, like, as soon as the sun is down. Sun down is do Vidoi. But, like, it might not be exact. Okay, let's do Vidoi later. Do we so, so, in that order? Vidoi. And, 
not even Kippur, try to do the whole thing. I Kippur, people can go to, kids can go to sleep. Try to do the whole night, not even Kippur. By, by daytime, try to do Shemun Esri, try to say Shema, try to say Vino Malkeino, try to say Vidui, and try to do as much as you can. I mean, on a regular day, you probably don't have a chance to say all of Davening. Maybe what you usually what, what what you used to look at in seminary is all of Davening. Maybe try to do that in Yom Kippur. Baruch Shamar, Ashrei, Mishtabach, the good stuff. Um, listen, I, 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 there's definitely a, a, I, I saw this, this Sadiq was quoted as saying, I forgot who it was, I was quoted as saying like, there's nothing higher than a mother taking care of her children in Yom Kippur. That, that's a, it doesn't need the whole the whole synagogue thing. So, so I, I've heard that and I think that's wonderful, but like if you can do one other thing or two other things. No, I, 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 like, it's a very, you're asking a very, Themistic question, a very, a very, you know, like very, 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 like, like uh, face to face with Hashem kind of question. So you have to be, be honest with the before Hashem. What you could do, what you can't do, but um, um, start, start from the beginning and and work your way up. And uh, as the day goes by, and you'll, you'll, uh, Hashem will guide you to make 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 good decisions. All right. Anything else? It's called a yontif, then after Yom Kippur, okay. and there's a pasuk, not just a pasuk, there's a voice that comes out from heaven, and says, "Go eat with joy your bread and drink with drink your wine with joy, uh, because Hashem has desired your deeds." So there is a thing of of uh, making a festive meal not after Yom Kippur. Um, does it say to have specifically flesh at that meal? It's supposed to be a festive meal, so I guess a festive meal probably means flesh. Um, I don't remember right now if, if it's specifically with meat, but it, it makes sense that it is as with wine, it's a festive meal. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it's if it's also with flesh. But uh, do what you could do. All right.